This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The 2024 Sundance Film Festival is in full swing. Screenings are taking place in person in Utah. But there's also an online component until January the 28th. Entertainment critic Michael McNeely is covering the festival. Today he's going to review a documentary about the late Margaret Moth. The film is called Never Look Back and is directed by Lucy Lawless. Michael's in studio, beautiful Studio 7, alongside his intervener, Jillian. Hey, good morning, Michael. Just a smart question. It's never look away. Never look away. Okay, that's uh, that's kind of an important note. Very much an important note, but I am someone who uh, just reads what's put in front of me. I'm like uh, Ron Burgundy, if you've ever seen Anchorman. Okay, for CNN, why is her story so significant? I feel like without Margaret Moth's work and her achievements, Many human rights violations would have been unnoticed, as well as the general playing field for women. And uh, photojournalism and internalism in general would be very underutilized. I feel like Margaret Moth, um, she was the first cab woman from New Zealand. And that's saying a lot, because that was basically back in the 80s and the 90s. Well, she was starting to do her work, and it's just amazing how short ago that was. And this is a male-dominated industry, and it has always been, I think, so that women were starting to break through with Margaret Moth's hope, and women were showing that they were able to cover some of the horrific, horrific aspects of humanity, mostly caused by men, i.e. war. What? What did the film have to say about disability? So, essentially, it's important to know that Margaret was shot by a sniper in 1992, and I was trying to figure out where the bullet would have gone, but it would have passed her jaw, and it would have gone right into her throat. She survived, but many people wondered if she should have, because they believed her suffering was so great that maybe it would have been better if she had died. Which, of course, is something that we talk about in the disability. Oh, yes. Oh, mode. yes. Um, but thankfully, she found a way to uh, cope with her injuries. I'm not going to say she overcame them, because that's stereotypical. But she had 25 different surgeries to replace aspects of her jaw and her mouth. She had lost most of her teeth. And just to know what kind of a badass she was, is that she wanted to go back to the place where she was sniped so that she could find her missing teeth. Um, that was the kind of person she was. She was, the, she was more of a man than most of the men around her. She would smoke big cigarettes, or big cigars, actually, and she would make those kinds of jokes that you know that all people make in war zones. Um, and she was basically one of the first people that would tell you that if you're living in the Hilton, if you're staying at the Hilton, or you're staying at one of those fancy hotels in the war zone, it's not fancy anymore because the being targeted by missiles, and the journalists are just cooped up, 
count into days left on this earth. Mm. Um, so there's really a sort of fatalistic um, mindset that comes with this profession. So Margaret um, embraced all that, and she showed that she could continue doing that even as a person with a disability or a facial difference. And I was hoping that the movie would talk more about some of the adaptations that she had to make. I would have been curious to know how um, she was able to eat during the war zone because she had to have things um, fed through a pipe, or at least through a tube at some point. Um, she also said that after 1992, she always sounded drunk. So I'd be curious to learn more about the kinds of skills she adapted. Mm. And basically the documentary goes on to say that before 1992, Margaret had covered lots of more, but after 1992, she covered even more. Mm. So she compensated for herself in a bit, right? And maybe we don't have to, but that's what she did. What do you think the documentary did really well? I think the documentary did a really good job about Samwise and Margaret's life and some of, the, some of the things that made her human. So, for example, she had a relationship when she was 30 with a 17-year-old boy, and she encouraged that boy to drop out of high school, which probably shows me that she wasn't necessarily the most, uh, you know, selfless person. Um, she had some very interesting personal flaws, and so that's probably from the result of her work and probably having PTSD. She probably tried every drunk there is on the planet with that 17-year-old, too, from LSD to heroin and cocaine. So, you know, it's just wild to, to know that there was this, these people in these professions that don't have enough mental health support to help them and that they're basically all by themselves trying to give us the information that we need so that we can talk to the UN and say, stop this. There's, these are innocent people dying. Can you just stop it right now? Apparently, sometimes that's enough to stop a lot of conflicts. Not to oversimplify, but sometimes people just need to hold other people in, into check. Yeah, so accountab like accountability, that's what journalism is supposed to be. Yes, exactly. That's a good point, right? So that's why these people go to these war zones, because nobody else is doing that work, and people are just killing each other for no reason. Um, so I think that was well done. I think I think it is. It's hard to do justice to a uh, to a woman that is as complex as she is, and I hope you know maybe make it a feature film sometime. Mm. Did you ever see the movie with Tina Fey, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? It's about journalists in Afghanistan. My father has been recommending it to me. And yeah, it's excellent. I probably have to tell him that he was right this whole time because yeah, I haven't. Well, just uh, just related to this material, right? I think if you if you found this material compelling, I think that would be a film that uh, you would really enjoy as well. And Tina Fey's a genius, total genius. Uh, Michael, let's talk about the festival more broadly. How's Sundance going so far? Sundance just started for me yesterday, but it's going well. Um, I figured out some of the online accessibility tools, including captioning subtitles and having a background on the subtitles, which I've been very adamant about because it's hard to see them sometimes without a background. Um, I will say that there are less films online than the entire festival has in person, so I'm missing out on some of the in-person films, but I'm grateful for the ones that there are on, 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 online. Um, 
I think it's it's going to be amazing to you. If, if this is an indication, there's going to be a lot of amazing movies coming this way, and they're not Marvel movies or Disney movies. <laughs> but they may be bought by Marvel and Disney soon enough. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does feel like perhaps a lot of the compression that occurred during the pandemic, the slowdowns and shutdowns of production, it feels like the wheels are really moving here. Even with the writers and actors strike last year, it really does feel like there's about to be an onslaught of really good movies. In fact, I'd say we're probably already there. If you look at the, the nine movies that were nominated for best film uh, at the Oscars, like all those movies are quite excellent movies and they've all popped up obviously in the last year. I mean, even the ones that I don't like, yeah. I can appreciate, yeah. you know, the work and effort that goes into them. And yeah, we'll have to talk about Barbie's nap, but we'll do that another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's have that conversation a little bit differently. Michael, I, on the way out here, I want to ask, ask you this. You've attended Sundance in the past. You've been in Utah. You were there in 2020. I remember you and I talked about your experience there. I know you've been advocating for online screenings of festivals. And it's certainly a, a great thing. But is there a little part of you that wishes you were in Utah right now? Oh yes, I, um, I miss Utah, but I I like them to figure out the political situation in the States first. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, um, there are some movies that I'm really interested in, and I just hope that we get to see them sooner than later, because sometimes, if a movie doesn't do well enough, it disappears for a while, and then you're like, oh, that's the one that came out five years ago. It's back here again. But I think I think we have a lot of stars that are making movies, including um, Emma Stone. She produced the movie I watched yesterday with oh, um, wow. Jesse Eisenberg and Kieran Culkin. It's called A Wheel Pain, and it's basically a tour of concentration camps in Poland that, has, that is more funny than it has any right to be. Um, but Emma Stone's involved, everyone's involved, so those people are the ones that have, you know, big, big movies, AAA movies, but they're making smaller independent films, and that's what I enjoy, because they're using their power to start to tell stories that they're passionate about, and I think that's just, that, that does, it does my heart good, because yeah. I, I know that all these big-name stars and these actors, they have something to say that's not just, you know, bam, bam, bam. Um, and I want to see what they have to say. I want to see, you know, what they use the power for. Michael, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. You too. And um, I'd like to give one last note to Margaret Muff because I think it's amazing to carry those cameras in a battlefield because those cameras look like they weigh about 200, 300 pounds. And she was willing to stand on the apartment building. She was willing to stand on top of it and have a missile directed to her. Which, of course, is not for everybody, but, I mean, that's badass. Yeah. Michael, thank you for this. That's entertainment critic Michael McNeely reviewing the documentary Never Look Away. Sundance Film Festival screens online now until January the 28th. For more information, visit festival.sundance.org. Coming up after the break, Marco Flalo stops by to talk about an update to iOS. Let's see if I can get these numbers right. iOS 17.3. Ha ha! There you go. Nailed it. I'm good at the mathematics. Anyway, taking a bite of the apple after the break. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.